0: All right. Welcome, everyone. We are here for another exciting episode with a new guest who's never been on the podcast before. Haya and I are very excited for this episode because it feels like what our guest has to offer crosses over some topics that we both are really passionate about. So, really excited to have you. Would you be willing to let us know your name, your pronouns, and where you are calling in from?
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I'm Patricia Varga. I'm a she, her, and I am coming from Santa Fe, New Mexico.
0: Mm, that's right. We were talking about we're both in a uh, mountain time zone. Is it starting to feel like summer there in Santa Fe?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. We <laughs> had that heat wave that everybody had. It, normally, it doesn't get into the mid-90s here, but it certainly did there last week. And uh, praise the Lord, we're down into the 80s, and at night it cools down. So it's
0: hey yeah it gets hot it gets hot up here and hi Haya. welcome hello how are you today
2: you know what my heart is open and i am excited to talk to patricia today
0: me too feeling really
1: excited my heart is open i love that Hmm.
0: we're ready to receive all of your brilliant ideas and your story patricia um So let me begin by just saying that you have done work in the realm of bringing creativity into healing and also into um, aiding the process of transitioning through death. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And so we're going to be exploring the relationship between those two things, creativity and death and dying. And I wonder if you might just tell us a little bit about how you got interested in these topics.
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, endometrial cancer in my early 30s. And Mm -hmm. in your early 30s, you think uh, you're, you know, resilient and powerful, and nothing can touch you. You're conquering the world, doing your thing. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: uh, it was a bit uh, daunting and overwhelming and scary. And you get that diagnosis, and as we were speaking earlier, it's um, not unlike what we're going through with COVID. You feel overwhelmed. Isolated. Oh my goodness! You know what's going to happen, uh, and even when we get through the pandemic, is it going to come back? Same thing with cancer. Uh, no evidence of disease could be five years, ten years, fifteen, and then maybe later on it it, it comes back voraciously. But I am um, fortunate, and I believe in the power and um, the power of uh, medicine, the super technology of medicine, uh, and. Uh, I wouldn't be here if we didn't have medicine, but I also believe in whole patient care. And I started my journey back then when I was newly diagnosed, like, okay, what really is healing here? Yes, I want my body to be free of disease, but what about my mental state? What about my emotional state? What about my spirituality? How do you heal the whole person? So I went on a journey uh, of discovering all sorts of modalities, I mean, things that are now commonplace, like meditation. I studied with Deepak Chopra and his team. Uh, I did some Reiki studying and other healing, uh, energy healing modalities. I looked into the power of music, and uh, that is certainly a a true benefit to healing. The color and motion of art, um, I would look at different paintings and pictures and twist and turn and go, why is this so powerful? Why is it speaking to me? Oh, it's the vibrancy of the colors. Uh, Mm -hmm. You also have all forms of creative writing. I return to my original training, which is creative writing and communication, and just putting pen to paper and scribbling and doodling my way uh, through the anxiety, and finding what I call little gems of joy on the paper. And I go, "Wow, maybe that's an insight. Maybe that's the beginning of a poem." Uh, mm. I would learn short narrative. I poetry is magnificent, and I often teach poetry. And I'm I'm not a classically trained poet, but I think you can give enough prompts to people, and they begin to put words together that just are magnificent and beautiful. And uh, they can become mantras, they can become their affirmations. Words are just extraordinary. They're so powerful, as we know. So I explored all these things. I even studied with a shaman. And I this is like a lifelong, ongoing thing, but the body of knowledge I put together and said, you know, this is how I define creativity, it is all of these modalities. And the creative process engages you through these tools to get out of your head into your heart where you begin to heal. And you know, the heart is just a special, special place. Uh, often people will say, what's the brain that's powering everything? But actually it's the heart. It is this vast electromagnetic system that can inform every single cell in your body And when I say to people, you know, talk to your heart, change what's in your heart, you can really change your reality. And that's where people begin to be grateful for what they're going through. They're more compassionate with themselves and self-care. Then their compassion extends to others. And uh, it just grows from there. So the heart's very important. And um, all of these things are important. So I'm very fortunate that uh, I became aligned with, a um, Window Between Worlds, which is a major organization in LA that uses art to end violence. They're very prominent in um, all of the domestic violence shelters across the country and around the world, and became very involved with them, and also Haven House, which is a crisis shelter uh, in Southern California. And they vetted my program early on, so I knew that the work I was doing had positive effect on people, and it was valuable And it just took off from there. I met some wonderful people at Venice Health in Glendale, California. They loved what I was doing. They, too, vetted the program, introduced me to their director of cancer services, and my journey began. And uh, very fortunate to work with a woman named Melina Thorpe, who uh, ran all of cancer services. She had me report into the tumor board. She had me teach not only cancer patients of all stages of disease, but I worked with the nurses, I worked with the doctors. She put me into the palliative care situation in hospice. I worked in infectious disease. I worked with all the chaplains. And, you know, for a woman who comes from um, non-clinical training, (laughs) uh, non-medical training, this was just a a huge gift. And I'm forever grateful to this woman for the experience because it set me on this path of using creativity for healing.
2: That is wonderful. Thank you. There's a number of things in there that I am really drawn towards, and I'd like to pull on some strings there. Um, one of them was, I, I don't think I've ever heard the, uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic described as a vector towards empathy. Mm. And that is really fascinating to me. Um, I was wondering if you if you'd be willing to explore a little bit about what the parallels are and what you think people around you are learning and and, and how you are noticing a difference?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Well, it, it, it started with my um, telling people that I saw just enormous connection between domestic violence and cancer. If you think about it, cancer is an assault on your body, your mind, your spirit. Domestic violence is an assault on you that way as well. And often along the way, you accept the kindness of strangers. I've heard time and time again from uh, domestic violence survivors that they were shepherded through the, 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 um, uh, the corridor or the, the path to safety by people that didn't know them but knew they were in serious uh, survival mode. Same thing with cancer patients. There's a story of a woman who um, went, had to go to chemo for the first time by herself, and she was really scared. And she was sitting in the waiting room. She told the story to a group of cancer patients. And there was a woman sitting across from her with a beanie on and gloves and socks. And uh, the woman with no hair and a beanie and socks and gloves said to um, this new patient, you know, it's going to be okay. And you need socks and gloves and mittens to get through it because chemo makes you really, really cold. So here, please take my hat. Please take my socks and gloves. I have more. And in that moment, what a kind gesture from a stranger that made someone feel less overwhelmed about what they're about to go through. The same thing with COVID and speaking with people. They're they are scared. Um, they don't know what's going on. I remember when it first happened here in Santa Fe, people were worried, so they rushed to the grocery store like a lot of people did, the paper toilet, and uh, paper um, uh, issues. And I saw a number of people just stop Along the way, and make suggestions to people and say, "Hey, you know, why don't you try this or why don't you try that?" This kind of soup is really good and it'll last a long time. So if you don't go back to the grocery store, people were actually reaching out. It was a very touching moment, and um, you have to be empathetic to yourself. Compassion starts with self, as all three of us know. And instead of freaking out over this pandemic, sitting down, breathing, and realizing, "Okay, what's the positive here?" I'm going to be at home. I'm working from home. I spend more time with my family and I'm not on the freeway. Um, I have greater uh, freedom and flexibility. Uh, So there's gratitude and grace and compassion that comes from the experience. And uh, I think a lot of people are, are mirroring that. And they're also questioning, well, what's important to me now? Now that I've spent all this time with my family, now that I've had greater flexibility, now that I've not spent two hours on the L.A. freeway, I don't want to go back to that. How do i find a hybrid role (laughs) how do i take better care of self and my family and others and that is the basis of
0: compassion there was this um really great article that just came out yesterday in new york times talking about the importance of taking the time to process consolidate and and basically story Mm -hmm. about the pandemic as a way of processing what's happened now that we're kind of opening up and moving on and advocating for how healthy it is anytime we go through something big and transitionary but also traumatic Mm -hmm. to consolidate and tell our stories and understand what happened and um, I'm so inspired by what you're saying Patricia and feel like there's a connection there of like and creativity too, right? Like the, the process of allowing ourselves to kind of make sense of what's yeah, happened to us. Absolutely. Making yeah. sense of the
1: trauma helps you get through the trauma. And you can do that through creativity, uh, asking questions. There are a number of questions, two or three, that I, I highlight when I'm working with teams of people or even in healthcare situations. So, what did you learn from the pandemic? What was your greatest strength? What was your greatest weakness? Um, How do you feel about what you've learned? And can you imagine a time in life that inspires you? What is the visual imagery that you can call upon any point in time to make you feel safe and secure? And people come up with great things. And when they see they're learning from the negative, going to the positive, they feel more resilient. They feel stronger. They feel happier. They feel like, wow, okay, I've made sense of what I'm going through, but you are spot on in terms of the storytelling. What stories am I spinning about this? And what did I learn? And who am I now? That's the big one. Who am I now that I've gone through cancer? Who am I now that I've gone through the pandemic? Who am I now that I've lost a sense of self and I want to regain? And there's so many beautiful things that come out of this.
2: I also get the, the impression from the way you talk about, well, both Kate and you talk about storytelling, that that actually ties back to your earlier point about art. I mean... Mm-hmm. art is a great way of, of, of expressing and, and storytelling. And I was wondering if you could connect the dots for me there about how art is a, is a way for your heart to express itself.
1: Uh, I will talk about one, one or two of the modalities that I always use in every single class. And I, I do this in corporations and they're beginning to see the wisdom of it. Not all corporate structures are open to this kind of thing, but I think that's changing And to just sit gently and breathe and close your eyes and and breathe in and breathe out. And we do a five-minute meditation. And when you come out of the meditation, uh, depending on the the writing exercise, we literally put pen to paper, which I believe is connecting to the divine within. And because you're in a more calm state and you have your hand literally writing a, a word or phrase that you picked in that moment, it just glides across the page. And in one instance with cancer patients early on i did a very simple exercise cancer is dot 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 cancer is dot 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 and They're working on these big pieces of paper and they've gone through their meditation and their have picked their beautiful pens all sorts of different colors they've got huge construction papers so there's no right or wrong they can start at the top bottom inside out it's all creativity and often when they write they will write in such a pattern that the words form artwork So this one woman in particular, who had not participated in class for many sessions, um, was not particularly vibrant, came to class a second time. And she had a beautiful wig on, she had color to her pallor, she had sparkle in her eyes. And she sat down and smiled at everybody, and when we came to the Cancer is Cancer is She let it rip, you guys. She sat there and wrote beautifully, and then she even stood up and read it aloud to everybody. Mm. And I need to read this to you because this is one of the most profound experiences of my life. Here's a woman who was diagnosed with stage four. But Terrell, her oncology nurse, said to me, Patricia, often before people die, they have a resurgence of health. They're vibrant. They're alive. They look great. And this is the body's way of preparing them for death. So I said, well, what's the good news? You know, the the bad news is she's no longer with us. Um, Here's the good news, Patricia. Her family was in her apartment going through her things and found this huge piece of paper with her writing on it. Cancer is, cancer is, cancer is. They called me and asked, where did this come from? And I told them about your class. And they requested that I call and thank you. They were so grateful for this remembrance of her this beautiful piece, they're having it framed, and we'll read it as as her eulogy at the funeral.
2: Oh, goodness, that's so beautiful.
1: So that day, her family was healed. Uh, What is healing? Um, It's a piece of paper with scribbles and doodles, but it gave them great meaning and insight into Michelle and what she was going through in her life with cancer, so...
2: That is that is beautiful. And what does that do what does that do to you, Patricia, when you hear something like that?
1: Well, I, I was I was profoundly imp- I started crying. I thought, oh my God, because you one, often wonder whether the work you're doing has impact. Am I really making a difference here? I'm scribbling and doodling and art and this. And that I just was floored that it helped a family that I didn't know. And it was humbling, really humbling. I went, Okay, keep going. <laughs> this was early on in my career career. Don't abandon ship. Keep going.
0: So you have patients, clients come and have class with you. They learn to write whatever's on their heart about what they're going through. Um, What other kinds of ways do you use creativity to access healing? Uh, The color and motion of art is
1: very important. Um, I learned a number of years ago, something called Ebru or cloud art. Uh, Ebru is Turkish for cloud, and uh, people often will refer to it as marbling. It's essentially throwing paint on water. Um, water is treated with a carrageenan substance so the paint will float. And then I take all sorts of different tools and, and, and you know, kind of drawn, doodle, et cetera. And then you put paper down onto the paint, pull it up, and it's forever embedded uh, on the paper. And I will twist and turn the paper and make it into cards. I put it on boards. And pre-pandemic, I would take all this art in. And people find it so mesmerizing that they just jump in, swirl around, and begin to create. And they will find an image or an interesting uh, doodle in the art that reminds them of something. And all of a sudden, they're running off with what they're writing. Uh, So I think color and motion of art is important, inspiring music. I will often have um, uh, Handel's Messiah playing before people come into class, or there's some soft music on Zoom that I'm playing. And it just kind of lulls you into a different place, getting into your heart. And uh, it's not background noise, it's really, it's part of the healing process. Um, Meditation, as we said, is very powerful. Visualization. The things that people come up with, and I just do a simple uh, guided meditation that I may have learned from a shaman about finding your genius seed or finding your healing powers, and uh, you take them up and down a flight of stairs, or they get into a canoe and they're gently rocked, or they're sitting on a porch swing on a you know, outside their house and they're having a porch swing conversation, and they feel the rocking back and forth, and from that they begin to emote and talk and speak, and it's all candor and One of the greater gifts is sharing, and I never put pressure on people to share, but it just takes one person uh, to read what they've written or explain their story or say what's on their heart and what they're going through, and it's a gift. It's an inspiration, and other people take from it and say, oh my gosh, let me share what I've just written. And before you know it, the room has, or the Zoom room even has this safe, positive energy to it, and I just hold the space. People are being brilliant in their own way. They're tapping into their own wisdom within, their own divinity within. They're sharing, and it's it's a remarkable thing. It's all creative. Creative is the divine. It is the great creator. It is nature. Um, these are things I believe. Are God, however you choose to define it, but it's all within us. And the simple act of, as I said earlier, the picking up the pen and putting it to paper, you're connected. You are connected. We are all born creative. And these simple tools just get you back in touch with your brilliance, your imagination, and your creativity.
0: I love that you picked up that strand of uh, the fact that when we are creative, we are engaging in a form of communication, you know, whether we share it or not, uh, whether we're communicating with a divine spirit or not, we're, we're connected. And I love that part of what was so significant about your story that you shared about the woman with cancer is that not only was it presumably healing on some level for her, but her words were healing for the people who received her art. And um, it just—I love that connection. You know, you could take it from painting to dancing to music. It's all a form of how we relate to and share with one another. Another form of communication. Mm-hmm.
1: Sculpey clay is another great tool that I use. People love Sculpey clay.
0: Clay, <laughs> so I love that. Smart uh,
1: things, and it just gets you out of your head. You're like working away and going, ooh, totally.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Patricia, I wonder if I could turn this back to you and your story. I wonder if you have any significant moments uh, in your own healing journey, you know, whether with cancer or any other phase that was significant to you, that you might be willing to share with us a moment where you used art to communicate? Well, for me,
1: it was the quiet page, the realization that there was, there was no perfection here. There's no judgment. There's just joy to the process. And, um, I think early on in life I thought creativity was the final product. You had to write a great play or you had to write a beautiful piece of fiction or you had to produce uh, an amazing canvas piece with uh, acrylics or oils. And it's not the final product. It's the journey. Uh, And just sitting there on the quiet page and scribbling and doodling and and just feeling how lovely that is to be free and to express oneself, whether it's through that clay that we just talked about or um, jumping into the swirls and doodles of someone else's art or the music, the uplifting nature of uh, the Messiah or Deuter or any of the incredible um, uh, spiritual people out there in the world, it's, that's what it's really all about. And what, when I first started teaching, I'd have patients come in and say, the only reason I'm here is because my doctor told me I had to do this. (laughs) So they'd sit at the table with their hands folded (laughs) and I'd go, okay, here we go. But, you know, through humility and humor and just making them feel safe, it's like, we're all creative. You can jump in. And before you know it, people are just having a ball. It's really creativity is is having fun. Um, It's letting it go. There's no perfection here. There's just joy for the process. And um, along those lines, there was one woman who was was so tough on me, came in uh, the first time and and she said, Dr. Ruth said I had to do this. She even gave me a prescription that said, RX create to heal. So I'm here. I don't want to be here. Okay, thank you. But she stayed and she stayed and she stayed. And one day she got there early and this is a woman who had a double mastectomy and was waiting for reconstruction. She'd gone through all the protocol, the chemo, the radiation, and she was sitting in a chair and she had a sign across her chest saying, under construction. <laughs> Everybody walked in and just started cracking up. It's like, that's a <laughs> expression. You're turning yeah. some girdle into something really kind of funny. I've seen patients put little smiley faces on their chemo bags. Uh, I knew a woman who wrote all good stuff and put it on her chemo bag. And, you know, chemo's not all good stuff. <laughs> but, you know, turning all this, this, this difficult stuff into uh, a gratitude practice or something fun and, and light. You know, the messaging around cancer cancer is it's a mean fight. It's brutal. It's awful. Oh, my God, how are we going to eradicate the enemy? Um, even that great book um, by Mukherjee, it's the emperor of all maladies. You know, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. And we don't have a cure. It's still no evidence of disease. You can't say you're cured. You don't even say remission anymore. And um, I have found over the years that people will dig deep and find that they're grateful for ca- cancer and the challenge because it made them happier, more in tune with what they love, their family. I learned so much more about myself. Cancer is an opportunity for me to learn so many things. And you don't think of it as a gratitude practice. But in that shifting of perspective, there's a healing.
2: I've done so much meditating on kind of the nature of creativity and like where that comes from. And it feels like what you are um, talking about here is really access to the source, like whatever the sources is of life force or creativity or what have you. And that uh, a brush with ill health or, you know, the, the real risk of, of having to contemplate your own mortality helps people access that source. Is, yes. is that, am I hearing that right?
1: Yes, it's a leveling. Um, any kind of challenges, depending on how aware you are, it gets you to dig deep. And um, creativity to me is being tapped on the shoulder by God. So you could be walking along in nature, and you see something beautiful, and you just stop and you look, and you go, "Wow, look at the colors of that flower!" Or, "Oh my God, I saw a really interesting pattern in the crack of the sidewalk." Um, Oh my God, there's a flower that's blossomed through the asphalt. And uh, you know, you're in the shower. We've always heard about these profound "aha" moments when you're doing something simple, like washing the dishes, or taking a shower, or going for a walk, and those, the creative process frees you up to go somewhere else. It's that somewhere else where you are daydreaming and having fun and thinking about things, and your intuition kicks in, and these ideas just start sparking. And um, you go, Oh my God, there's my little gem of joy. I'm going to write that down and play with it. It's all play, it's playful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally, and I think the, the the idea of unstructured play to help you figure out how to f- how to feel or how to process um, is so under tapped into, <laughs> if you'll forgive the sentence. Um, I love under tapped into. It's a yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I I wanted to have been here because I feel like what's coming up for me is how there's such a parallel, especially with death and dying, uh, with being a young child and children know how to be creative without question, right? They just they dive in, there's no reservations, they just they play, they're with abandon. And I wonder about that connection with then coming face to face with your own mortality and or feeling um you know rendered helpless in some ways. When we get sick, we have to depend on others. We kind of come back down to our knees in a way, you know, and Um, I wonder if that actually allows us in some ways to have permission to let go and be more fully creative and not have so many barriers to our own inner voice, so to speak.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's brilliantly said. Thank you for saying that. Um, That's a a huge gem Um, you're facing. uh, And often I'm working with people, walking in with some kind of creativity into their room and more often than not, they just want you to hold their hand and listen to their life review. Um, they are humbled and they're leveled by what they're going through, but they're also very positive in that they've made peace with their maker. I've heard it so many times. Um, I love my God. He or she loves me. I am um, ready to go. I've made peace with them. I've led a good life, and I'm now going to see my spouse or my mate or my parents or my pets on the other side, whatever it is, there becomes a, a more creative approach to what they're going through. And um, it's uh, going back to your idea of storytelling. They, it's all about storytelling.
2: Absolutely. Can you um, share like a nugget of what you have learned from this as a, as a way of, of um, wrapping up? Like, How has your work with your your clients I- impacted you personally? You know,
1: I, thank you. That's a lovely question. I actually thought about it, and I'm going to dovetail it with this beautiful PDF I got off of your website: uh, five practices for better relationships. And the number one is deep listening. Some people might call it active listening. I call it enlightened listening. And it, it, you through. This very humbling process, working with people that know they're going on to their next life or they're passing or are faced with serious challenges. They may or may not survive. You become humbled and so in tune with what they're going through. You become an incredible listener. and This is one of the gifts for me. You put your ego in the back pocket. You don't have an agenda. There doesn't have to be an outcome from the conversation or the class or the interaction. You're just listening. You're tuned in. And I believe that is a gateway to empathy and compassion because you're really giving of yourself. One of the greatest gifts is conscious uh, listening. People want to be listened to. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. And uh, I think that's the greatest gift I've come away with.
0: Yeah. We are so Aligned with you, Patricia. What an amazing gift to get, however, you get there in life, right? It feels like we always keep coming back to this theme of deep listening, hearing one another, seeing one another, witnessing one another as we go through life. So, thank you so much. It's just been such a joy to speak with you. And I know that all of your clients are so blessed to have you in their lives. I'm so grateful to you that you do this work.
1: Thank you, Kate.
0: Thank you, Haji. It's higher, but it is all good. Um, where can we find more of you, Patricia, if our listeners would like to find your work?
1: Well, there's, there's two things, womenwwings.org, which is where I do a lot of the cancer work and healthcare work. And then com is more about bringing these compassionate um, insights into the workplace, compassionate leadership into corporate America. Yeah. Um, so Two distinct, way, two distinct ways of offering what I believe are the same principles. Uh, they're good regardless, uh, leadership of one, leadership of family, a community, major corporation, or anything in between. Um, it's all good.
0: It's all good. Yeah, I can imagine corporate life would need some healing and creativity just as much. <laughs> I so appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Haya. It's always a pleasure to co-host with you.